Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, Thursday edition. Patrick Allen here with you as always. And today, very excited to have my buddy from Sports Illustrated back on the show, Matt Verderham. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. I'm good. I just hung up a bunch of Christmas lights outside and then put up two six and a half foot inflatables. It was fun. It was challenging. You know what? You know what's not fun? Trying to ha- trying to put up inflatables you have to drive stakes into the ground for in the wind when it's it's the Midwest and a yeah. breeze is 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Different back home. A lot yeah. harder out here. So uh yeah, we we got it, we got it done, I think, hopefully. Uh, we're good to go. Yeah, you know, today was a, a good day to do it, um, but I had to work all day, and uh, I've got the show, so I'm going to try to put up some lights after, which means it will be dark. Yep. It was like 50 degrees for a minute here today. Um, I'm hoping to get something done in the 40s here. Just had too much to do at work because I think it's just going to get cold again and rain for the next few days. Yep. So, you know what? That's part of uh, that's that, that's part of being you know a dude at Christmas time. Hanging Christmas lights, staking things into the ground, freezing—you know, going all Clark Griswold out there. It's true. I um, we just we just redid the roof, and so with the new roof came well, the gutters are like kind of done, also still being worked on. But the front gutter, which is the only gutter I care about really, because the only one you see, and it's the one that that I'm hanging Christmas lights off of. It used to have because it was old, like the gutters, like original of the house, which was built in the mid '80s. Like they had these pins. They were driven into this, the front of the house, and that's how they'd, they'd stay up. And so the pins were older, and they were like kind of hanging out a little bit. So I could just take the lights and basically just like wrap the wiring right over them. It was easy. The, the good news is with these gutters, they're new and they're better. The bad news is just they don't have the pins in them. And so I had to go out and buy these gutter hooks, which are like fine, but also not really great. Yeah. And so that was a little bit of an adventure, trying to like get the hook on there, make it stay where it needed to, get the light through the light. It was... I think it's going to look better, but it was a bigger pain in the ass. So it's really like a, a reward, you know, scenario that like, was it worth it? I don't know, maybe, but what the hell? I do have to go get one more strand of lights from Home Depot. So I'll do that after this podcast. So we'll uh, we'll be hanging lights uh, in the darkness uh, together, just uh, about 60 miles apart. Yeah, yeah. Just hope you don't fall off the ladder. It's the, the, the great fear of the Christmas light hanger. I'm done with the ladder. The ladder part's done. So now it's just... I, I just have to do my uh, porch so that we're in good shape there. Yeah, I just do the I do the porch. I go around. My house is sort of weird, and it's real like the roof. The, the shingles are really high up, and I'm like, "There's no, I'm not going up there. I'm not getting a ladder that high. Not doing it. Um, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. I got it decorated nice inside. We'll get the tree up this week. Um, looking forward to it. But um, you know, we got a lot to get to today. The Chiefs going to Lambeau. Patrick Mahomes is going to make his debut at Lambeau Field. Uh, has not played there before. I saw that. Um, that's interesting, but makes sense, I guess, if you think about it. NFC team. Um, and we got some news to get to. I wanted to ask you about this one. Machine Gun Kelly offered Travis Kelsey on the New Heights podcast $500,000 to go play for the Browns. And I got to be honest with you. My first thought was, who's Machine Gun Kelly? And then my yes. second thought was, um, 
you know, Travis Kelsey should pay Machine Gun Kelly $500,000 to not have to play for the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i thinking it's probably safe that that's not going to happen. I think if you ever play for the Browns, it's one of those like, hey, I'm in the last year of my career, and like, I just want to check this off the bucket list, which, yeah. hey, cool. But yeah, I don't, I don't think... Uh, I don't think the Chiefs are going to cut him so Machine Gun Kelly can can send them over what is his version of like milk money. I think it's a pretty safe bet he's going to be in Kansas City for a little bit. Yeah, Travis Kelsey lost five hundred thousand dollars in his couch cushions. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. And, and now I mean, he's dating someone who like five hundred thousand dollars is like a a, a a gift to a bus driver that like worked on the tour. Yeah. So she, she, she uh, made five hundred thousand dollars since we've been on this podcast. Yeah, she. Yeah, it's okay. So yeah. in fact, funny, really quickly, but funny about. So um, in the summers, I always go back east for like a month. And I, I kind of, oh, I'll say like a week and a half at my parents' house. And then I'll go to our family's like shared lake house. My mom and her siblings that had it left to them. And so we'll go there for a week. And then we go up to Connecticut, which my, my dad's side has this, when I say tiny, I mean like 600 square foot like cottage. And it's like 45 minutes from the ocean. So we'll go there and then we'll drive in and we'll you know park for whatever three hours and go to the beach. Well, this this beach in Watchall, Rhode Island, it's one of those towns that I swear to God, it's like zoning that they have to paint everything every month. Like it is just it is like out of a Norman Rockwell painting, yeah. right? So when I show up, everybody's like, What the hell? Like who like like the riffraff has come in big yeah. town. Yeah. And so when you come into town, it's a small, quaint little town right on the water. You like could take a left and it bends up and at the top of the hill are all these mansions that are legitimately worth like 15 plus million and uh she bought one of them like 10 years ago so maybe at some point this summer would be chilling and you know t swift and kelsey's just come rolling down the hill uh, you know that would be uh that'd be interesting if nothing else yeah absolutely buy him an ice cream if you see him um yeah so machine gun kelly uh that's probably not going to happen but Hey, give him credit. He's he's a Cleveland guy and he's a Browns fan and you know, they need all the help they can get. Uh, uh good more good Chiefs news if you haven't been following things this week. Nick Bolton has returned to practice. I didn't see his participation today. He was limited, limited. yesterday, but that's great news for Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, well, they start the clock, right? So he's got to be back within 20 or activated within 21 days of them starting the clock, which was yesterday, which would make you think that he'll be back for Patriots game. You know, I mean, maybe the Bills game if all goes well, but it's one of those things. It's so weird. Like normally you'd be like, man, they really need to get that guy back. Like he's one of the best players in the entire team. Tranquil has been so damn good that you're like, well, yeah, take your time, Nick. It's fine. I mean, it's 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 great. They're going to have a legitimate, I don't want to say issue, decision to make when Bolton comes back because obviously you're going to play Bolton. But at the same point, like you cannot bench Drew Tranquil. You can't, he's he's been unbelievable. Like you have to figure out a way. Do you do you just split reps? Do you let Tranquil play some gaze reps? I mean, like I don't know, you know what you do. And, and then Chanel this year quietly has had a, a terrific year. So it's like you have so many guys that you're gonna have to figure that out a little bit. Like you're gonna have to. You can't just sit Tranquil down and not I have him playing snaps. So it, uh, maybe even just like ease Bolton in. Maybe that's the answer. I mean, it's it's. It's a good problem to have, but it is a little bit interesting to see how they're going to try to maneuver all this stuff. Yeah, Tranquil has been absolutely fantastic. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, is Bolton back? Um, we'll see how it goes from there. 
Uh, Jarek McKinnon was a, did not practice on Wednesday with a groin injury. I believe I saw on Twitter that he was, it's the officials not out yet, but I think he was limited today. So that's somewhat good news, but the chiefs seem to be doubling down on the running back front um, because they signed uh, Keontae Ingram to the practice squad. So that's another move, probably not going to be a significant one or have any impact unless there's some kind of disaster, but you want to have, you got some guys banged up. It's always good to have some, some depth on the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I knew anything about Keontae Ingram. Like, it, I think it's just step. It's fine. If you're the chiefs at this point, I think they've shown this like year after year with McKinnon. You're pretty much just like putting him in mothballs until January. It's just what they do. Now, they, now they'll, they'll play him like the pass block and stuff, and they'll play him in the red zone, which is why last year he had 10 touchdown receptions. But they're not like they're, – they're just not going to go over the top. I mean, the, the biggest thing with the Chiefs right now is you have to figure out this balance of like they need Isaiah Pacheco more than they've needed him in any other year this, you know, to, to date with his career. So last year being a rookie year, and they, they didn't need him quite as much because they were better throwing the football. But this year they need him. Like they need him to touch the ball probably – 15, 20 times a game. So you just have to kind of weigh you need him, but you also don't want him to get hurt because he's so physical. Like it, that kind of feels like a ticking time bomb at some point here. And then it's like, well, who do you give the ball to? It's Clyde Edwards Lair, which is not ideal. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of manage it. I think, you know, this might be one of these things where maybe they try to spell Pacheco five carries, five touches a game. With a guy like Ingram, with you know maybe he NCH while McKinnon's you know out, and then once McKinnon comes back, maybe McKinnon splits a couple of these snaps with Ingram. Like I think it's probably smart, even if it hurts you a few plays a game. It's probably best long term. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Another bit of news here that just came out. Chiefs Patriots flexed out of Monday Night Football. Yes. Uh, that's a new thing. The Monday Night Football flex. Thank the Lord uh, for some of the some of the primetime games that we've gotten this year. Sort of weird for the Chiefs to get flexed out of primetime because Mahomes, Kelsey, all that star power. But at the same time, it's just a tribute to how absolutely horrendously awful the New England Patriots are. And does anybody want to see Steve Spagnuolo literally destroy uh, Mac Jones on live TV? If, if Mac Jones is even out there, Bailey Zappi could be even worse. Listen, do you know how bad you've got to be? To get Patrick Mahomes flexed out of primetime? Yeah. I mean, that takes talent. That really is a skill. Didn't it happen last year? Didn't didn't Denver. Russell Wilson and Denver, that game got flexed out? Yeah. 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 So that was, that was a Sunday night game. Um, listen, I don't blame anybody for flexing that game. I mean, I there's probably some advanced line out there I'm not even aware of. That line's got to be the Chiefs favored by what? 14 to 17 points? I mean, somewhere in that neighborhood, even on the road. Yeah, maybe it's like fourteen and not seventeen because the Chiefs' offense hasn't been a ball fire. But like that—that that is legitimately a game where New England, like if the Chiefs play really well and they're really honed in, like they may not score. Right. I mean, that really might be like thirty to nothing. 
Like that. Now, there's also the scenario where that's the Texans game from a year ago, and the Chiefs are just like, ah, this game's over already. And then all of a sudden, it's like 13-10 in the fourth quarter. But, um, yeah, I, look, I actually think in a weird way, it kind of benefits Kansas City. Like, that game's going to mean something for the Chiefs either way, right? Seeding and all that stuff. Maybe they're even trying to clinch the division that week. The game means nothing to New England. If it's a primetime game, it's one of those things like, hey, we're at home, it's primetime, the crowd's going to be into it, all that stuff. I think it kind of helps the Chiefs. Like all that air is taken out of the game. It's like, yeah, you know what? Actually, it's just a Sunday one o'clock kick, and like, who cares, right? I mean, I, I think it'll. You know, it, now, look, the Chiefs win no matter what. But I think maybe there's a little bit of like, all right, maybe the the one thing that would get the patch for that game just went away. Yeah, I mean, we've all had to see way too much of Zach Wilson already. Um, yes. You know, the yes, Giants in prime time all the time. Like, so the the public deserves way more than than having this game flexed out. I'm, I'm all about it, man. Like, I love doing the primetime games for the podcast, like Eagles, Monday Night Football. Like, it, you know, it's a late night. It's exhausting, but it's fun. It's exhilarating. We have great audiences. I do not want to stay up until the middle of the night covering Mac Jones and the last gasp of oh, Bill Belichick no, in New England. God, no, no. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. It's been uh, – it's been oh, that team – I've watched – I don't know, what do they play, 11 games? I've probably watched half their games. They are – they are brutal to watch. I mean, they really like watching them makes you feel like this Chiefs offense is the 99 St. Louis Rams. I mean, it is it is impossible how hard it is for them to gain a yard in the air. It's it is staggering. And they don't have Kendrick Bourne for the rest of the year as their best receiver. So they have all these guys. I mean, Demario Douglas, who I actually like as a rookie, but they have him, Juju, which hasn't panned out for him. They shoot Devontae Parker. They are they're bad. They're really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um so one last thing here, and we got a comment about it in the chat from, from Brian Gales about Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, as this this happens sometimes to respected veteran players who are on a just dumpster fire of a team and they're reaching right. the end of their careers. Zach Ertz, you know, he leaves Philadelphia, goes to the Cardinals. They're terrible. They're not doing anything this year. They've got a good young tight end that they're excited to play. Ertz yep. coming off IR. They cut him loose. Now, my inclination would be, especially with Dallas Goddard being banged up, he goes back to Philadelphia and signs with them and tries to win a Super Bowl, but he's out there. He's even as at some advanced age, he's a he's very good tight end. He's a good pass catcher. He's reliable, not on the injury front, but he's reliable when he's out there. Um Brian wants to know, you know, is that somebody that she should look at since they need pass catchers or are they good to go with, with Noah Gray? No, I, I don't think, I mean, listen, I get it. Like Ertz is in the Ertz is at this point in his career, pretty, pretty done. Um, if you look at his numbers this season, he's played seven games. He has 187 yards on 6.9 yards at reception. I mean, it's, it, it's not anything to write home about. Okay. And last year he played 10 games and he had 406 yards. I mean, I, he he has not had over 800 yards since 2019. It's the last time in the Pro Bowl. He was he was an excellent tight end in his prime, but yeah. those days are over. I mean, I like to me the team that it makes all the sense in the world to go after um, is is Baltimore because they lost Andrews. Like Ertz isn't really that good at this point in his career, but he's a vet, and you know you could bring him in on the on the cheap, and and he's better than Isaiah Likely. Although you could even argue that, I guess. I I just think at this point, yeah, like Ertz. The name, you're like, oh, Zach Ertz. But in yeah. reality, it's like, yeah, I mean, he's he on the Chiefs literally, I think, would be like he'd be the third tight end in the passing game. He'd be about the fourth tight end on that roster. 
because yeah. he's not a blocker. So it's not like you could bring him in to do that. Like you have you have Blake Bell to do that. So no, I, I don't think that would make any sense for them. Yeah, he's he's got to fit somewhere. He can still play a little bit, be a red zone threat, somebody to help you move the chains for the right kind of situation. But I agree with you. I don't think it's a move that Kansas City needs to make right now. Um, okay, uh, and then lastly, um, Patrick Mahomes wins AC, AFC Offensive Player of the Week for the tenth time in his career. That's that's pretty good. That's not the most times ever, but that's a lot of times. Uh, you feel like he deserved that after his performance last week against the Raiders? Uh yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought he was was good in the game. I don't think he was unbelievable. I thought he was fine. I mean, he threw two touchdowns. It could have been three. I thought they should have challenged that Pacheco screen, but that's fine. They scored in the next play. Um, you know, what do you have? Like two ninety eight, something like that, in passing yardage. So, yeah, he was. I mean, it was a it was a week where nobody went went crazy, went nuts. So, yeah, he he played well. I mean, look that that honestly is the kind of game right now the Chiefs need Mahomes to play. Just a game where there's no big mistakes, and they're just going to have him be the point guard. Eight yards here, nine yards here, four yards here, twelve yards there. Like it's just they need to just play that game. I mean, I I said this. I was on the radio with Joshua Briscoe in Kansas City earlier today, and I said this stat might surprise some people. The Chiefs lead the league in yards after catch. Like that's how they should. By the way, they're second in yards after catch defensively. Like that's how they should play. Hey, you know, they, you know, throw the ball six yards to Kelsey. You know, and let him pick up some yardage after. Look, throw the ball seven yards to Rice on on a on a crosser. Let him run. You know, Watson for everything. He's fast. Watson can run. Tony can run. Hardman can run. Get these guys in space. I, I yeah. I mean, look, I thought Mahomes was good, and I thought he did what he needed to do. He didn't throw any ball in harm's way. He made a couple of really nice throws. The one throw to Kelsey was ridiculous, and then he had another one that back shoulder to, to Rice for like twenty yards or something down the sideline. So yeah, he played very well. Yeah, I have no beef with him getting that. Yeah. You know, AFC player of the week. Yeah, we always like to see Mahomes bringing home some hardware, but we definitely have our eyes set on bigger hardware than that. So to say. I want to take a minute to talk about the race for the number one seed in the AFC because I think it's pretty intriguing. Now, as we sit here, the Chiefs are currently the two seed, and that's because Baltimore Ravens have a game in hand, but they're on their bye week this week. If the Chiefs are to win this week, they'll move to nine and three. They will resume their position atop the AFC due to AFC tiebreakers against Baltimore. So I want to set the table for everybody, and I want to get your opinion on uh, how you think things will shake out and who you think has the easiest road to challenge the Chiefs. So as I mentioned, the Chiefs control their own destiny. Um, They have a head-to-head win over Miami and Jacksonville, who also have three losses. Uh, They have the AFC tiebreaker record over Baltimore, who they won't play this year. Uh, So who's the biggest threat to KC? So the Chiefs remaining schedule are at the Packers. They get the Bills. At the Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, at Chargers. Ravens' remaining schedule. Rams, at Jaguars, at 49ers, Dolphins, Steelers. Jaguars' remaining schedule. Bengals, at Browns, Ravens, at Bucks, Panthers, at Titans. Dolphins' remaining schedule. At Commanders, Titans, Jets, Cowboys, at Ravens, Bills. So there's some good things in there for, for, for the Chiefs in that the Ravens are playing the Jaguars, Right. Um, so some of these teams are playing each other. The Dolphins have to play the Ravens. Uh, the Chiefs don't have to play any of those teams anymore, and they beat a couple of them. Who do you think has the easiest road to challenge the Chiefs, and how do you think it'll shake out? Jacksonville. Jacksonville's easiest road because Cincinnati now is starting Jake Browning, which the Chiefs will also benefit from. Um, and other than that, it's the Ravens. I mean, their, their schedule really otherwise is a joke. 
Uh, yeah, they got to play Tennessee. They got to play Tampa. Those are on the road. Yeah, okay, maybe, but those teams aren't good. Those teams are both four and seven. Chiefs fans should want Baltimore to beat Jacksonville because if they don't, the Chiefs might have to run the table. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Like Jacksonville's not so dominant. I don't think they'll lose another game. If they will lose a game, Baltimore's schedule is brutal. Baltimore's at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, got Pittsburgh. They've got Miami. Um, Baltimore's going to lose another game or two. Miami, their schedule is easy in the next three weeks, and then after that, they, they play nobody. I mean, they play – or excuse me, then, they, then it gets hard. Then, then, then they play Dallas, Buffalo, and uh, and and um, somebody – oh, Baltimore. They play Baltimore. I think Baltimore and Miami are both going to at least have one more loss, very easily could have two more losses. Jacksonville's the team. Jacksonville's the team. You want them to get one more loss. If they get one more loss – uh, then the Chiefs can have one more loss. For the record, if the Chiefs went, went out, if they just run the table, no matter what else happens, they're the one seed. That's it. Um, if they lose one more, then they just need everybody else not to run the table. So, like, to me, if I'm the Chiefs, like, to me, the Chiefs, you got to win this game this week. And then the Buffalo game becomes kind of the fulcrum pointer. Because if you win that game, I, I'm sorry, their last four games, you should win those games, period. And the Chiefs should absolutely win their last four games. You're playing Aiden O'Connell, Jake Browning, both at home, Mac Jones slash Bailey Zappi, and then a Chargers team that is going to be beyond cooked at that point. Like, And, and God knows that's going to be Arrowhead West. So if you're the Chiefs, you got to handle business right now. And speaking of handling the business, my daughter is upstairs screaming her brains out. So uh, I'm going to let you analyze the schedule for a minute, and uh, I'll be uh, right back to make sure nobody's dead. Yeah, go check on her. That's important. Um, yeah, I'm, w- I'm with what what Matt's saying there. And when you look at Jacksonville's remaining schedule, Bengals, they should be at the Browns. That could be a tough one for them. I know the Browns don't have a quarterback right now, but the Browns just brought in Joe Flacco. He's an experienced guy. He threw the ball around a little bit for the Jets last year. He's Look, he's beyond cooked, but he's still got that big arm. They've got some receiving threats, and they can run the ball there. He's going to be far and away the most competent quarterback if they put him into a starting position that they have on the roster. So, you know, that could be a game that could be a little bit of trouble for the Jaguars given the defense that Cleveland has. Uh, And then they've got to play the Ravens. So, um, But at the end of the day, Matt's right. The Chiefs just got to take care of their business here. At Packers, we're going to talk about that. We're going to preview that game in a minute. The Bills game is the one that worries you, right? Because they're Jekyll and Hyde, but they have a quality quarterback. But there's a lot of turmoil going on there. But the game is at Arrowhead. Josh Allen's going to be running around. He's got something to prove. They just lost a heartbreaker to the Eagles. That's game the Chiefs have to have. And after that, no business losing to the Patriots. No business losing to the Raiders. No business losing to Jake Browning-led Bengals. Uh, and then that Chargers game at the end of the year, hopefully the Chiefs don't even need to play their starters in that game. Hopefully it's all decided at that point. Um, the only thing in that game that I could see the Chargers putting up a fight is that if Brandon Staley gets fired before that game and somebody somewhat competent is in there and I call some decent plays for them. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't worry about anybody being competent. Yeah. Uh, that, that seems like something that they have no interest in doing. Um I just listen. And by the way, for anyone who's one that Maisie is fine, Maisie has dry skin apparently that hurts. And yeah. it sounded like there was a civil war amputation going on upstairs. So <laughs> thought like a bookcase fell on it. No, 
Just like a little dry skin in her hand that was irritating her. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Look, by the way, the Packers uh, practice or yeah, practice report, injury report just came out. Packers have about 800 guys on it, but I'm assuming most of these guys that are unlimited are going to be able to go. Like Jair Alexander, uh, Devondre Campbell, Kenny Clark, uh, all limited. A.J. Dillon was a DNP yesterday, limited on Thursday. Rashawn Gary, limited. Aaron Jones did not practice second straight uh, day. Jaden Reed, their leading receiver, did not practice second straight day. Uh, Robert Rochelle, one of the corners, went from limited to a DNP. Um, that That's where you are. And then the Chiefs already went over that. So um, there's a chance they could be without some some pretty key guys like Reed and um, – and uh, and Aaron Jones. But in any event, yeah, with the schedule, look, I mean, the Chiefs, quite honestly, they have the easiest schedule remaining. They really do. I mean, they, them in Jacksonville, the two of them. Yeah. Their schedule, the Chiefs genuinely should not lose another game. Doesn't mean they won't. They shouldn't. Like, they – I respect the Packers. I'm going to be at the game. I'm looking forward to going up there. I, that That is a game the Chiefs should win that game. I'm not saying they should beat the Packers by 20 points. I'm not saying any of that. Like, that's a game you should win, okay? They are better than the Packers on both sides of the ball, and they are much better on special teams. By the way, that is one thing with the Packers. They are not good on special teams. They are, yeah. Their punting has been awful this year. Their kicking has not been good. They, by the way, they miss more extra points than anybody in the league, so it's something to keep an eye on. Um, like, this is a game you should win. And then that, that Bills game is the game, right? Because the Bills are going to treat that like it's a playoff game. It, it basically is for them. And for the Chiefs, it, it's not that. But at the same point, that's a game that you – like, look, they'll never say this. They know what their schedule is. They know that if they win that game, they're, they're in phenomenal shape. Also keep in mind that game is the same day that the Ravens and the Jags play. That game's a Sunday night game. The Bills and Chiefs are going off right before it. That's a huge game. Yeah. That is the kind of game that like if you look, if they lose, it's not the end of the world as long as they beat Green Bay. But if they win that game, you're in a position then like you just handle your business and you're the number one seed. Not only that, but I mean, it's not looking good already. But you win that game, you 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 put the nail on the Bills' coffin. You don't have to worry about those guys coming to Arrowhead in January. Correct. Um, Correct. And that that they're done is, if they lose. They're done. They yeah. they can lose no more games to make playoffs. No, no, no. They're in, they're in big big trouble up there in Buffalo. Um, yeah, I agree with you, man. I while you were gone, I pointed out the Browns game for the Jaguars because it's on the road. Browns have been managing to win games without any quarterback because of their defense. And I mentioned that, you know, there's a chance that Joe Flacco is starting for that team pretty soon because the other guys just aren't very good. And neither is Flacco really at this point, but at least he's got a big arm. He's got more experience than the other guys on the roster combined that are, that are healthy. Yes. Could you see them putting up a fight? with Joe Flacco going out there and managing the game, he'd be in a much different position than he was last year with the Jets, which were a tire fire. I mean, on one hand, I try to always keep it real. I mean, Joe Flacco is 38 years old, and he hasn't been good for five years. So I don't feel great about it. At the same point, I will agree. Like, look, defensively, 
defensively, the Browns are so damn good that you're like, Joe, can you not turn it over and score 17 points? That's probably enough. Yeah. Especially, you know, this how you're from Ohio. Like, you could get a game in Cleveland where it's snowing sideways and it's sleeting and it's, I mean, it is just brutal weather. And like, literally, if you score 10 points, you're probably going to win the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he gives him a better chance than, than Dorian Thompson or Robinson. I, yeah. I don't think that's any question. Or PJ Walker, both have just been atrocious this year. Yeah. Um, but a f- weird fact about Flacco that I would not have thought, you know, he's never made a Pro Bowl. That is somewhat surprising. I mean, granted, the man spent a, a career with Manning and, and Roethlisberger and Brady and Rivers, but like n- never, not once, never. Uh, and yet we had like a five-year debate whether or not he was elite. So that was fun. Thank God for that. Still um, raging that debate. Still raging, yes. Uh, but it's, listen, I think if you're the Browns, I mean, he gives you your best shot to win right now. He does, which isn't awesome, but uh, yeah, it's true. They just need somebody who can complete a couple passes. I mean, the other guys That's do more it. harm than good, you know? They need somebody who can complete some passes, and they need somebody who's not just going to be a turnover machine because yeah. that's what's killing them. I mean, yeah. it, they just can't stop turning the ball over with these quarterbacks. I mean, at one point, Walker had like a one touchdown and five picks, I think his stat line is. It's crazy. Yeah. You can't yeah. win like that. No, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. So they're an, they're an interesting team because if they had good quarterback play this year, you, you know they could be a potential Super Bowl contender with that defense. But we'll see. But hopefully, look, all we want out of Joe Flacco is to knock off the, the Jaguars, and then they can. I don't want to go up against that defense in the playoffs. I don't care who's quarterback because um, they're right I, there with the Chiefs. I, I got to tell you, if you're the Chiefs, I'm thinking you want Joe Flacco coming in for a playoff game. I mean, I respect their defense immensely. I think the Chiefs would sign up for Cleveland or Pittsburgh tonight if they have Pittsburgh. the opportunity. I want Pittsburgh. Pitt, dude, it's there's a real world, like a real world, where the three playoff teams in the wild card spots are Cleveland, Ball, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis. Yeah, where yeah. I mean that is Minshew, Pickett, and Flacco. That's Get right. Um, you know, but. You know, you know, you you know how these things work. Like one of those teams probably win in the wild card round. One of them probably does it. You know, or it's like one of those things where somebody survives on like a last second field goal, but like it's to the death. And then two of them probably get absolutely blown out of the building. Yeah, I'll tell you the team that is kind of interesting to me is Indianapolis. Yeah, I I don't think they're good, but. They get a lot of pressure without blitzing. They have a lot of sacks. I think Steichen's a really good coach. And Minshew is like oddly effective, even though you when you watch him, you're like, I don't understand how he's doing it, but he somehow does it. I love Josh Downs, a rookie receiver. They took in the third round out of UNC. And they got Pittman and they got Jonathan Taylor when he's healthy. Like, no, do I think they're beating Kansas City in a playoff game? No, I don't. Do I think they could go to like Miami and, and be one of those teams that all of a sudden you look up and it's 20 to 20 in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I do. I think I think they're to me, they're more threatening than Pittsburgh or Cleveland because those teams just can't throw the ball at all. I, I, they have no quarterback. Minshew's not great, but like I'd rather have Minshew than the situations in, when, in Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Yeah, Minshew's competent. He'll make some boneheaded mistakes that'll drive you crazy, right. but he's, he's a good backup, a really good backup, I would say. He can move a little bit. Next yeah. plays. I watch a lot of them. Um, yeah, I'm with you, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to deal with any no Colts. I'm, I'm a superstitious guy. I don't want no Colts in the playoffs. I don't care. I know we exercise some of those demons, but still, just keep them away. Um, 
no Colts, no kickers. Okay, um, let's move on. Let's preview this Chiefs-Packers game. Uh, Chiefs, big favorites here on the road. The last I checked, six points uh, on DraftKings for the Chiefs, over under of 42 and a half. I mean, when I look at this game, Verderam, the Packers aren't a bad team. They're, they're like the epitome of mediocre, in my opinion. They have a quarterback who's not very good. They got an okay defense, okay offense that can do some things, but they're they're like they're like even Steven. They're five and six. Um, it just feels like a game to me, though, that the Chiefs defense, the, the Packers just aren't going to be able to. Jordan Love's just not good enough against the Chiefs defense for them to do anything. So the Chiefs wide receivers have obviously been a huge topic of conversation all year long. The Packers receivers are even worse um, because they don't have a Kelsey. Okay. Jaden Reed leads the team. He has 497 yards and five touchdowns. He's had a a very nice rookie season, a lot like Rasheed Rice. Um, Romeo Dobbs has seven touchdowns, which is terrific. 433 yards on 69 targets. It's not great. He's a red zone guy. Christian Watson, uh, I think everybody was like, this guy's going to be really good. Christian Watson is catching fewer than 50% of his targets. He has 21 catches, 351 yards, three touchdowns. Musgraves on IR, he's not playing. Dontavian Wicks, who actually I like the senior bowl, 331 yards and a touchdown. He's a rookie. He's coming on. Yeah, and then you get to like the running backs, neither one of which you catch a lot of pass. Well, Jones typically does be hasn't this year. He's been hurt. Um, and probably will be hurt for this game. And then after that, like they have nobody else. I mean, they're 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 leading tight end in terms of receiving yards. Who's gonna play in this game is 65 yards. So this is um this is a team that is very limited in the passing game. Rushing, they again very limited. Like AJ Dillon is averaging 3.4 yards a carry. Okay. Uh, he has one run all year over 20 yards. You know, he's averaging 40.7 yards on the ground per game. So this is not a group that you look at and go, they're explosive. I mean, Jordan Love's been fine, 19 touchdowns, 10 picks, he, you know, 2,600 yards, completing 60% of his passes. Like this is a game where the Chiefs defensively, yeah, they should be able to win this game. Now, the Packers, I will say, very good pass blocking line. Not as good in the run blocking. Um, they've had injuries. This is a game where the Chiefs really ought to be able to like blanket these receivers and and create some some problems for Jordan Love, who can scramble a little bit, but like isn't a huge runner. Um, it's a good matchup for Kansas City defensively. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, I think if they can just get pressure, which they've been pretty good at, I, just, I think it's going to cause a lot of problems for Jordan. I, Steve Spagnuolo, the first time they played Jordan Love. Oh, oh my God. He, he some blitzed time. like in crazy. So, um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he, he just does an all out, you know, 11 man blitz at some point just to see what will happen. Um, yeah. You know, on the, on the defense side of the ball, though, the, the, the Packers aren't too bad. Um, that, that's sort of where they, they've got a little bit of fight. Uh, they give up about 20 points a game, uh, which is near the top half of the league. Um, Chiefs, of course, on defense are incredible, only give up 16 and a half points per game. So that's that's what you're dealing with in the Packers here, right? Like they give up, they give up 20 points a game. They score about 21 points a game. Uh, so, you know, that's why they have the record that they have. I mean, do, do you think that the, their defense is going to give the Chiefs some problems in this one? I think it depends on how the Chiefs try to play. Like 
this is a team that their front's good. Rashawn Gary's eight and a half sacks. Preston Smith has five. Uh, Kenny Clark inside his four is a good defensive tackle. Now, look, but that that's the main crux of the pass rush. Here's the deal with the Packers, simply put. You can run the crap out of the ball on the Packers. They've had over they've had four games, I believe it is, at least four, with over 200 yards rushing against them. I mean, they you can just run the ball down their throat. They also are a team with Joe Barry, who their defensive coordinator, for those who don't know. Um they play a lot of off coverage. They play way off the line of scrimmage. I mean, they will literally at times line their corners 10 to 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. They will just back up. They keep everything in front of them. If the Chiefs have one of these games where they're trying to force the ball down the field, it's going to be a long night. To me, this is the classic game they should play just like they played against the Raiders. Get the ball out underneath, run after catch. Like this is this is an opportunity for the Chiefs. To just, hey, look, you want to sit 12 yards off? No problem. Check it down, run the ball. I mean, it, if there's ever a night to hand the ball to Isaiah Pacheco, this game's in. This is, look, as good as the Packers can be at times rushing the passer, they are not good up front on the interior stopping the run. I mean, you you can run a Mack truck through them at, at times up front. Okay. If the Chiefs play the game, with patience, I, I think they could have a really nice night offensively because the weather's actually not going to be that bad in Lambeau. It's going to be in like the lower 30s, which in December in Lambeau, you'll sign for that all day long. Um, I just think it's a game you, you run the ball, you suck them up a little bit, then you go over the top. Like, you know, if you want to take a shot here or there, but yeah, I look, they, they're going to, they don't move their corners around. You can dictate the matchups. They're a predictable defense, they do blitz a decent amount. So I, and I think that can play into Kansas City's advantage. Like this, this is a game where, frankly, I think the Chiefs match up very well schematically, as long as they're willing to be patient. And it's not one of these games where they just start trying to force balls because they get bored or they get impatient. They've got to just take what's given to them, and I think quite a bit will be given to them. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, you saw it against the Raiders. And once they got rolling, and once they just executed, caught the ball got the ball to Rasheed Rice, they were they were rolling. They were moving the ball pretty well there after I, – I just assumed that they were in a, a turkey coma early on in that game, which they seem to do against the Raiders early on in these games against the Raiders. First time they play them each season, they're just, they're just sleepwalking. What do you think was going on there? You know, I, I think sometimes those divisional, those divisional games are bizarre. Ask the Chiefs, who were down 14-0 to the Raiders – and last year, we're down 17 nothing to the Raiders. Um, and then this year, had five turnovers and lost to Denver. Right? I mean, those games sometimes are just weird games. I've watched a lot of the Packers this year. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, they're, they're playing great. They've won their last two. The Lions game, they played great. Give them a lot of credit. The Lions game also was because the Lions couldn't stop turning the ball over in the first quarter. And that just set up a complete downward spiral. I mean, if you look at that game... The, the Packers were good. They were fine. But it wasn't like you looked at it and you were like, oh, my God. I mean, look look how utterly dominant they were. I mean, a lot of it was just, hey, give them enough turnovers, give them the ball enough, it's going to be a problem. I mean, the Packers in that game were out – the Packers gave up 464 yards of offense, okay? They yeah. gave 25 first downs. They lost the time of possession battle. The problem is 
the, the Lions had three turnovers, the Packers had none. The Packers had 370 70 yards of offense, which is very good. And they had seven yards per play, which is ridiculous. Um, but the Packers' defense in that game got boat raced. The problem was that the Lions just kept giving them the football. Um, and so you end up with this game where you know things got out of hand. The Packers the week prior playing the Chargers, I watched that whole game live when it was going down. They won 23 to 20. That game to take nothing away from Green Bay, who actually statistically pretty much played right with the Chargers. That was the epitome of the Chargers being the Chargers. Like just huge drop pass at the end of the game would have been a game-winning touchdown for Quentin Johnston. Fumbling at the two-yard line on the drive before that. You know, like just there was a third and like 20 for the Packers at one point. They were backed up late in the game, and Asante Samuel just tackled the receiver, took a PI. Like it was the kind of game watching it that was just it was hysterical. Like the Chargers are like, oh my God, like, why don't you just walk him down the field holding hands and walk him into the end zone? It was that kind of a game. So I think the Packers have played fine in the last couple of weeks. Like they played their probably their best game against Detroit. They played whatever against the Chargers and they won. If the Chiefs go out and they don't turn the ball over and they just play well, they'll win the game. The, the, the big thing with the Chiefs is like the Chiefs have been their biggest enemy at times this year. Do they go out and have three turnovers? Do they go out and just, you know, turn a guy loose? If, if they don't do those things, they'll be fine. Yeah, and that game again, that game on Thanksgiving against the Lions, Lions had three turnovers in that game. You know, Packers jumped out to a 23-6 uh, to six lead. And then Detroit almost came back at the end. So, look, this isn't an incompetent football team, but the Chiefs are better. And so, as you pointed out, if the Chiefs just come out and take care of business, I, this is a team that they should beat fairly easily. And that's why the line is what, what the line is. But as we saw against the Denver Broncos, you can lose to any NFL team if you go out there and you fool around. But this is – I mean, they beat the Bears. They beat the – the New Orleans Saints by a point who have their own struggles on offense. Yeah, they were down 17 nothing in that game. Then Carr got hurt and the whole game changed. Yeah. You beat the Rams without Stafford. Right. I mean, they beat the, yeah, the Chargers. Like the Lions are the one team. Listen, give them credit. They played well in that game. But that that has been the outlier. I mean, the Packers played 11 games. They've been, they've been mediocre to awful in 10 of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but that's just, I mean, it's the truth. I've probably watched almost every snap of the Packers this year, either a live or on replay. And outside of beating an atrocious Rams team, a Saints team that's not any good, and they beat them by a point, and then the Bears, which the Bears are hideous. I mean, this has been – they lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Broncos. They got pounded at home by Minnesota. They lost to the Steelers. Okay, this is – I mean, this is a team that – look, they're not bad, but they're not good. I mean, this is a pretty – I would compare them, quite honestly, to like the Raiders. You know, I think Denver's even better than the Packers, quite honestly. I think Denver's got more more explosiveness, a little more top-end talent. This is a game that if the Chiefs play a B game or better, they will win this game. The yeah. question with the Chiefs is always the question with the Chiefs. Is it one of these nights where they just can't stop giving the ball away and they take 11 penalties? Then they could lose. But if, if they don't do that, if they take, you know, four penalties and they – yeah, they, they have one or fewer turnover. Like they'll, they'll probably win. I, I would be shocked if they didn't win, if that was the reality. Rasheed Rice in this game. 
Do you think he'll continue to, I, I you know, everyone's feeling great about the game yeah. he had against the Raiders and he finally getting more snaps and they went to him and everyone seems happy and, and they seem to feel like this is it. He's arrived. We've got liftoff. It's going to be all Rishi Rice all the time from here on out. Am I cynical in thinking that just knowing Andy Reid and the Chiefs, that this will be a game where he'll get like two targets for 25 yards? I've debated this in my head because that's definitely in play here. Um, I mean, his game log, if you look at it, his targets are like this. 5, 2, 7, 5, 5, 4, 6, 5, 2, 5, 10. History says he's going to get targeted about five or six times this week. But I do think you've reached a point with the Chiefs where, in some cases, like Hardman, necessity, because he's on IR. In other cases, it's just pretty obvious at this point. They need to lean into a shorter receiver rotation. And the three guys that they have to play this offense through are Rice, Pacheco, and Kelsey, period. End of discussion. Like the rest of these guys, look, not saying you can't use them. Like Tony can get some plays here and there, Watson some plays here and there, McKinnon in the red zone. Those top three guys, I mean, they have to be the guys. Now, the Packers, you would think, are going to give a little more extra attention to Rice. You know, that would that would make sense. But I do think the Chiefs – in fact, I could tell you that there has been talk in the organization over the last month, like he's clearly the best guy on this team at receiver. Like it's time to get him more involved. And I think, you know, it's also one of those things too, like he's learning when to sit in zone and when not to and when to run through the coverage. And also like there's a lot of adjustments at the line with this offense. There's a whole lot of like, okay, you have a post route if you get this look. But if the safety moves over, now you're going to convert that into you know a curl route, or you're going to convert that into a corner route if there's leverage on the other side of you. I don't know that he's going to have another hundred yard game. Be great. I do think though he gets somewhere like eight targets. Like he'll get he'll get more targets. I would think than he's gotten in the first you know nine ten weeks or so. Yeah, our guy Stacy in the comments says, "Watch Reed come out and go bombs over Baghdad to start this one." Yeah, uh, they do that sometimes. Um, but what's we'll see. Hopefully, you know, he's a great young player. Very exciting. The Chiefs need him. The more experience they can get him now down the stretch, the better they're going to be come playoff time if they need him to step up. So I'm hoping he gets a lot of work. And if the if the Packers are going to play the way that, that you pointed out, where they're going to have everybody back and there's going to be a lot of space underneath, well, that fits right into what you want to do with Rasheed Rice. Yes, it does. Um, and he's been great against zone this year. The funny thing is, so he has 527 yards. Okay, He's on pace for 814, which I think anybody at the beginning of the year would make. That's fantastic. He needs 473 over their last six games for 1,000 yards. Now, he's averaging like 49 yards a game right now. He'd have to average like 78 to get there. That's probably not going to happen. But it's also like – you know, you're one really like if he just has one of these days where he has like 150 yards or something, like for actually having like a real shot to get to a thousand yards. But even if he finishes on on his current pace, you know, he's between like eight and eight fifty. That's a great year. Like that yeah. is for a rookie receiver on that team. Yep. That's fantastic. They need to continue to get the ball to him. And then listen, obviously Kelsey, I mean that goes without saying. This needs to be a Pacheco game. This needs to be one of these games where like they cannot get away from running the football. It's, you're not going the Packers are not gonna run away and hide offensively in this game. They're just not talented enough to do that unless you turn it over a bunch or something yeah. happens on special teams. 
you have to be willing to say, you know what? You're going to play 12 yards off the line with the corners and 20 yards off the line with the safeties. Great. You're going to put six guys in the box, pound the ball, pound the ball. Like, there's no reason to me. This is not a Chiefs team from years ago where it was like, got to score 30, probably not going to win otherwise. You score 20 points with this team, you're going to win most games. I mean, you're just going to. They are so good defensively. I think shorting the game for the Chiefs is not a bad thing at this point. If you want to run the ball, fine. And then, you know what? When you get guys moving up, you know, hit somebody on an out and up. Hit somebody on a, on a post corner. Hit somebody on, you know, on, a, on a route where you think you may be a deep cross. You can get them behind the linebackers. You can really run after the catch. Like, I think for the Chiefs in this game, there's a lot of ways to play it. I really, though, I do believe, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. If they don't turn the ball over, they will win this game. And that, to me, is another part of this. Like, don't put the ball in harm's way. If you got to punt the ball, like if you have third and 15 from your own 40, don't throw a pick there. Don't rifle some ball. And you know what, man? You got to throw it away, throw it away. And Townsend can pin him at the 10-yard line, make him go 90 yards. Yeah. You know? I mean, I just think if you're the Chiefs, you have to think a little differently this year. I know in the Eagles game, everybody was screaming because the Chiefs punted from the 40. And, like, I get it. I get it. There's an argument to be made. They should have gone for it, whatever. I got to be honest. I might be in the vast minority. I thought Andy did the right thing. Your offense can't do anything that night. You turn the, your, your turnovers are out of control. You're dropping the ball. Make him, make him go somewhere. And by the way, the Eagles did nothing. Like, if I'm the Chiefs, you have to play that way with this team because your defense is the best unit. It is. Their defense is better than their offense this year. That's fine. Lean into it because you know in the playoffs – if you've got to have it with Mahomes, fine. I thought, and I'll, I'll shut up, but I thought the Raiders game was really instructive in that way. They got down 14 to nothing in that football game. And the offense, it was kind of like, hey, it's, you got to have it now, like right now. Well, what they, they went out and scored 31 points. like, And then the defense shut them down and that was it. You know what the offense, if you've got to have it, like, they've got the personnel to get down the field. Hell, they're eighth in yards this year. But lean on your defense. Lean on your special teams. I think that is the biggest difference from years past. 100% agree. Uh, we're going to get our predictions for Chiefs-Packers. First, a uh, quick question. I wanted to ask you this, and, and, and Shrey in the chat here has uh, has popped it in, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with him. Question for Matt. Is the Broncos' win streak a fluke, and do you think they'll beat Houston? I don't think they'll beat Houston. I don't. Uh, I think Houston's going to make the playoffs. I think Houston's going to win 10 or 11 games. Look, I am not here to denigrate a five-game winning streak because that's a hard thing to do, and I respect that. I, I truly do. That's that's a hard I – mean, five games in a row. And look, they beat the Chiefs, and they beat, they beat the Bills in that stretch. But do I think there's some fool's gold in that? I mean, Cleveland had three turnovers. I think during this stretch – the Broncos have gotten like 15 turnovers or something, like some crazy number like that. It might even be more than that because the Chiefs had five, Buffalo three or four, Cleveland's had three. It's been, it's been quite a few. And so I look at it and I say, like, realistically speaking, do you really think, do you really think that that's going to continue week in and week out? I mean, Denver, Denver does not even get 300 yards a game. Yardage wise, I mean, it's it's crazy. So I, 
I do not think Denver's going to continue doing this. I don't. I, I think that at some point, like when the turnovers dry up and the short fields dry up, I think that's it. They have a three-game road trip coming up. They're playing Houston, the Chargers, and the Lions. They're going to have to win two of them, and I don't think they're going to win two of them. I think they're going one and two, possibly even zero and three. So there you have it. Um, okay, we're going to get to our predictions really quickly. Got a couple quick reviews to get to. You know, if the great way to support the podcast, you head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review, ask us a question, leave us a review, we'll read it on the show. Uh, incredible. This one comes from XADKX from the third. Incredible podcast, but could not disagree more with the uniform takes. I love this show, but these uniform takes had me writhing in discomfort. Haha, <laughs> the Eagles green look gr- looks gross. Their new jerseys are way better looking now. I definitely do think the Chiefs need a more modernized jersey. Oh, no, Verderam's going to have thoughts. Not making huge changes, but some minor tweaks to add depth and intrigue. I disagree with the, that the throwbacks. I disagree that the throwbacks are better than the existing uniforms. Anyway, love the show. Can't wait to listen every time an episode comes out. Great content, as always. Appreciate that review. Uh, you're staunchly against any change to the Chiefs uniforms, right? Uh, I I. Yes, I definitely am. First of all, Maisie's here to say hi and say what's going on. Um, what do you think? Do you like the Chiefs uh, uniforms or helmets? Yeah. Yeah? Should they change them? Hmm? Should they change them? Nah, whatever. <laughs> You're indifferent? Okay. I like the Chiefs. I don't think they should change them. I think the Chiefs have had the same uniform, essentially, since they moved to Kansas City. And I think that if they change them, I am going to be catatonic. Like, look, the, all these teams, you know, the Dolphins always had a great look. And then they went with this, like, weird teal. And at one point, they were into this, like, orange look that's terrible. Um, you know, the, the Broncos always wore, wore orange at home. Now they wear these, like, blue things at home that I'll never understand. Listen, for the like, there's a reason. It's like if the Cowboys change their uniform or the Packers change their uniform. It's like when the Bears wear those pumpkin helmets. I mean, those things are a disgrace. <laughs> those are the ugliest damn uniforms in the world. You're the Chicago Bears. Have some decency. Have some class. What do they yeah. look like? They, they look like if you took a pumpkin and jammed it on your head. That's <laughs> it. They are They are so bad. I'll never understand these teams. Look, look if you're the Panthers and you want to do it, go nuts. Okay, you've been around for an hour. The Texans, same deal. You want to wear a red helmet, that's fine. These teams, it's like the Raiders, as much as every Chiefs fan hates the Raiders. I mean, come on now. You can't, you can't change that uniform, right? I mean, it's like if the Raiders, like, we're going to come out and have like a black alternate. No, you can't, like a black alternate helmet. Can't do it. I, I will fight anybody in the street over this. Do not change the uniform. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit looser with that. I don't mind a fun alternate occasionally but i don't want them to change the uniform one more to get to here uh from from our guy herman hey uh i want it says thank you i wanted to thank you for making such a great podcast every day and entertaining me for so long i had a question maybe you can answer on the podcast the chiefs might pay slash are paying chris jones around 30 million a year but tyree kill wanted almost that much and they traded him away wouldn't that money be spent better on a top three wide receiver than a top three defensive lineman especially since the rest of the line looks so good. I know that Chris takes on double teams and the rest of the line uh, that helps the rest of the line look so dominant. For example, the Rams have Aaron Donald who takes on a double team every time and the rest of the line doesn't look this dominant. So doesn't the D line, uh, doesn't the D line still be, wouldn't they still be above average without Chris, which as we've seen year after year is good enough for Mahomes to still dominate. Um, And then, and then we could get another receiver. 
basically is what he's asking here. Uh, I just feel like they're using that type of money anyway. May as well spend it on Tyreek. Thank you so much, Herman. What do you think, Verdran? This is going to be a huge question all season with this team. Like, yeah. what do you do? Before I say, I'll put this on you for a second. If you had to keep Sneed or Jones, one, not the other, just can pick one, which one would you keep? I would all, keep all things factored in. Uh, all yeah. you know, the money it would cost each guy, their age, all of it. Who would you keep? Yeah. I, I I would keep Snead, uh, and that's a hard hard decision for me to make because Chris Jones is a Hall of Famer. But if I'm re-signing Snead, I'm re-signing him to a contract where I think I can get his top performance for longer than I can get from Chris Jones. So I would rather band aid the defensive line for you know for the year and a half, two years I have left of of Pete Chris Jones. Then, then lose what I've got in the versatility in the secondary with Snead. All right. So that's a completely fair answer. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm going to try to go next level with this question because I've thought about this a lot because um, I've gotten this question a lot. So next year, according to over the cap, just based on their projections for the cap, I, frankly, I think it's a, a little high, but the cap is going to jump quite a bit with all the new money coming in. They project the Chiefs to be about $51.5 million under the cap. Okay, which is like middle of the road. And and so Mahomes is already accounted for at 57.3. Now they can they can convert some of that money if they want to. All right. Um, Chris Jones has a hilarious cap hit next year right now of $80. $80, not $80,000, $80. Um, because of the way they, they restructured his deal. The Chiefs have some very interesting decisions to make that are going to open up some money. Okay. Now. One of them is not a decision. It's a formality. MVS is getting cut after this year, and they're going to save $12 million bucks. All right? So you can tack that right on. Justin Reed next year has a $14.25 million cap at final year of his deal. If they were to cut him, they'd save $10.75 million. I do not think they're going to cut Justin Reed. But would they extend him and lower his cap hit? I think that is a really interesting question. Now, and Stacy, you're you're in my brain because you're ahead of me on this, but you're right. Okay, I'm gonna get that in a second. Um the next question for me, because that kind of is your your main cap numbers, and nobody else are no, I'm moving off anybody else. Okay. The next question is after this year, Nick Bolton is eligible for an extension. Creed Humphrey is eligible for an extension, Trey Smith eligible for an extension. Do you re-sign Drew Tranquil long term? And you do not resign Nick Bolton to a huge contract. That is a very, very interesting question. Because for anybody who's out there who says, ah, no, there's no way you couldn't do that. Listen, Drew Tranquil this year has been fantastic. Like every bit as good as Nick Bolton. Genuinely, every bit is good. Now, now the difference is, of course, okay, Tranquil's 28 years old. And so, you know, maybe you say, hey, listen, as much as he's been awesome, you know, you, you're not going to keep him into his 30s. And I, I tend to think that's what, how the Chiefs would think based on what they've done. They haven't signed guys into their 30s. I think Tranquil might be back. It could be like a cheap, like, two- to three-year deal, but I don't think they're going to sign him for, like, five years. I don't think it's going to happen. So I think Bolton will end up getting the, the deal. All this is a long way of saying the Chiefs next year are going to have a lot of cap space. Even if they bring back Tranquil and Edwards and Gay, none of those guys are going to cost a ton of money. Okay, Gay's an excellent player, but he's an off-ball linebacker. He doesn't have a ton of sacks. He's not going to cost a ton. Naughty, same deal, okay? 
Wanya Morris might take over for Donovan Smith. Maybe they don't pay Donovan Smith. All right. And on offense, really, he's the only free agent to look at and have any real like concern about. I wonder if there's a world with Brett Veach where they sign LeJarius Sneed long term and they just eat a big tag on Jones. And then they just draft for the receiver position. I mean, they could definitely do it. Because if you think about it, Sneed's first year cap hit's not going to be huge. It's not. Even if they sign him for four and eighty. His cap hit the first year is going to be like seven million bucks. They could afford to do it. So if you're the Chiefs, what do you do? Like I, I think look long term. I think they will sign Bolton long term. I think that's what they'll do. But but it's not a crazy question. Like would they try to save some money with Tranquil? I think they might even bring back Tranquil, but a cheaper deal. I think you're if you're the Chiefs, what I would do, Gay Tranquil Edwards, I'd bring them all back. Gay on a longer term than the other two. But Edwards and Tranquil, like, what is it going to cost you? Naughty, if you can bring him back, fine. If you can't, fine. Um, I'd try to sign Snead, man, long term before free agency starts. And I would tag Jones. I would. I'd try to keep this defense together one more year. And I'd go into the draft and be like, fine, first round pick's going to be a receiver. That's what I'm doing. And quite honestly, after that, like, what is your big concern on this team? I mean, what what else are you drafting? For sure, you're drafting for depth, like you are every year. But like, you're not. You're, what else are you? What other position in that scenario are you drafting for a starting role? Nothing. Defense tackle. That's it. That's it. <laughs> right. You're drafting a backfield Jones at some point. But like, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So if I'm the Chiefs, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm paying Jones one more year on a big tag, and I'll live with it. And I would try now. Now, if they can't come to terms with with Snead. Then I probably would. Then I don't know, man. Then then I I probably try to keep Snead because Jones is great as he is, is older than him. But you could also argue like you have Williams and Watson, and you could still play. The one thing with Snead though that they lose and there's no arguing, they right now are so incredibly good at playing every scheme in the league because they have two guys you can play anywhere. Yeah, Snead and McDuffie, you can literally do anything. And so you you dictate every matchup. Every matchup you you have on the field, you dictate. That is the most underrated part. It's not a coincidence that last year when McDuffie got back, the defense took off. They were great second half of last year when McDuffie came back. Because if, if Steve leaves, McDuffie's forced to play in the slot. He's forced to play there. Williams and Watson cannot do it. Now you have Connor, okay, who they like, and you could play him a little in the slot. But you're more or less forced in base, which is three corners these days, to play him in the slot. If you have Snead and McDuffie, you dictate who plays in the slot. You dictate the matchups. Yeah. It becomes much, much, much harder on an offense. It's a hard thing to give up. And I, I can guarantee you Spagnuolo's not going to want to give that up. And, you know, I saw some folks saying, hey, you know, go with Jones because the Chiefs are pretty good at drafting and, and finding cornerbacks and they've got a deeper room. I... That's true, but some of the success that they've had in the past are with playing a different style of defense than they're playing right now. Guys that could fit into a little bit more of a bend but don't break roll. What they're doing right now with McDuffie and, and Snead in particular, Snead following the best team's wide receivers, stud wide receivers, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown around the field, right. that's not something that happens too much anymore. 
in the NFL that have guys like that. And that is ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's not like he's been like pretty good. He's been he shut down Justin Jefferson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last game, you know, Devontae Adams early in the game was getting off, he was going. Devontae Adams, by the end of that game, had five catches for 73 yards. Like for Devontae Adams, that's a that's a bad day. Yeah. He shut down. I mean, my God, you want to see a disrespectful reel of film? Watch LeJarius Sneed on Tyreek Hill. It got to the point. I was talking to somebody in the building about this. It got to the point with LeJarius Sneed in that game. I honest to God thought he was going to be called for being offside. He was so close to the line of scrimmage. He could basically reach out and jam Hill without even taking a step forward. Yeah. He essentially said to Tyreek Hill, beat me. Beat me off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was like hand-to-hand combat out there. It was – you're just not going to have many guys who can do that. And so, look, I get it. I like. There's a million ways. You can argue this a lot of ways, and, you're, and nobody's wrong. Like You could really argue this a lot of different ways. And I know it's unpopular, like $30 million on the tag. I get it. I, I think you they could afford with their current cap number to tag Jones, pay Snead, pay the other guys, have more than enough for their draft class, and then take the money that you're going to need or you're going to get the $12 million for MVS. I'll tell you what, everybody's going to talk about T. Higgins. Everybody's going to talk about these other guys. You know who I'd go out and sign? Tyler Boyd. Pay him what you're paying MVS. And you can still do all this other stuff. Pay Tyler Boyd two years, $20 million bucks. And have that guy come in and give you what you need, which is a, a stable second receiver. Because I think Rice is going to be a number one. I really do. Like, yeah. pay Boyd to be that number two guy. If you have Boyd and Rice and Pacheco and McKinnon and Kelsey, you're good. That is a that is a good and, and you draft a guy. So like think about it. if you draft a receiver in the first round, you sign Boyd, you have Rice, you have Kelsey, Pacheco. Let's say they bring back McKinnon again. You can't score with that group. That's a pretty damn good offense. And you've maintained your entire defense. Yeah. To me, that there, there's your answer. There you go. Sean Browning says, Marvin Harrison Jr. Should we aim to draft him? You That'd should. Nice. You should also aim to win the Powerball because yeah. uh, you're going to move up that 30 spot. Yeah. <laughs> They'd have to get up to number three. Uh, and that's that's most certainly not going to happen. Um Good stuff. Really cool discussion. Uh, and it's a really interesting one that we'll continue to have it. Um, I just, I love the way Snead's playing. He has no fear. You don't, I don't care about the penalties because that's, that's what he's doing. He's going up there. He's getting in guys' faces. He's knocking them off the routes. He's being yep. physical. That's the cost to doing business. And they're not flagging him every single time. It's, it's so funny because I hate penalties of the passion, like any yeah. self-inflicted thing. I don't mind it with him. No. I don't. It's kind. Now look, he's a much better player than the guy I'm going to say. It's like when the Chiefs used to have Rashad Breeland, and I I brought this up in this podcast before. Go back and watch if you have time. You want a good laugh? Go back and watch his tape in the 2020 AFC title game against Stephon Diggs. The first quarter of that game, he takes three penalties. He basically turns it into a wrestling match at the line of scrimmage. He was just like, "I don't care. You're not beating me. Yeah. You're not going to be. They can throw five yard flags all they want." It got to the point where. <laughs> Like, look, if I always believe with a group like this, especially Sneed, be physical as hell early in the game. Because at some point, the officials are going to go, I can't call everything. I just can't. Like, I, if you're not physical early and then you're physical late, it looks a lot worse. If you just start the game beating the hell out of their team's receivers, okay, 
and then you back off a little bit. Now it's like, ah, you know what? All right, that's not that bad. I'm not going to call that. And it sets a tone. The, the, the Patriots were great with that forever. They okay. used to, they did it to Hill with the Chiefs in the AFC title game in 2018. They just battered the hell out of Kelsey and Hill at the line of scrimmage. Went, call it, call it yeah. every play. And at some point, if you're an official, it's human nature. You're not going to do that. You're not going to throw a flag every play. Sneed, I think, has figured out, look, I'll take two penalties early. I don't care. Because at some point, you're not going to call it. And it has definitely benefited them. It has. There's no question. Yeah, and you like you want those penalties to come not down the field. Like at the line of scrimmage, you get a legal contact or a holding penalty. Ten, who cares? Yeah, it's, it's, it's 100% worth the risk in that space. Whereas in the past, the Chiefs, when the Chiefs had bad cornerbacks, you were getting the penalties where they'd flip out and panic, not knowing where the ball is. Right, and run for the guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, give him an 80-yard game. I am all for on the first play of the game, you know, or like the first two drives. Listen, it's first and 10. That team's backed up at their 20. And you you want to see, like, it's also worth kind of seeing, okay, what am I going to get called for in this game? Yeah. Throw your hands at the guy. Throw it at seven yards. See what happens. Yeah. You know, like, fine. I'm fine with that. There's no, there's no beef with that. I mean, I, and, and somebody said in the chat, like, um, let me scroll up. I want to give credit here. Oh, it was, it was Stacy. Um, he said, didn't mind that penalty on Justin Watson either, bro. I'm, I'm with you hundred yeah. percent on that. It was great. And just, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey actually talked about it on his, on his pod at new heights. I look, you never wanted a penalty. I had no problem with that offense with all the crap they've taken over the last month. And rightfully so. To be like, you know what? In your face, touchdown. Like, fine. Yeah. I don't have a problem with. That. I didn't have a problem even later in the game. He didn't get flagged for it, but Kelsey was like ripping a guy off the pile and kind of getting into it with him. That offense needs a little bit of that right now. Yes. And if I got to, as a, as a, you know, if you're a fan of the team, if you got to sacrifice 15 yards, you sacrifice. You deal with it. That is a penalty. I guarantee you, nobody in that building was upset about taking. Nobody. Like, there is a time and a place for that. And I thought the Chiefs. They towed that line well on Sunday. They certainly did. Uh, loved the loved the fire and passion from from Watson. That, that offense needs an identity, and yeah. hopefully that's the start of it. Okay, let's get to our predictions for the Packers game, so we can get out of here. Uh, what are you What are you thinking in this one, Bergeron? I think it's an interesting game. I think the Chiefs will kind of like pull away late. I don't think it's a total blow. I think it could be. I think there's a world where if the Chiefs come out really like we're gonna we're just gonna lay the the knockout blow early, they could do it. I don't think that happens. I think it's like 27 and 20. And I think maybe that's a late score by the Packers. Like maybe it's like 27, 17. The Packers get it to a score. The Chiefs bleed the clock out. I, you know, I think it's somewhere like that. 27, 17, 27, 20. Right in that, right in that range. I, I hope the Chiefs score 27. I think with this Packers defense, the way they've been this year and the way the Chiefs offense has been, I'm going to go Chiefs 24, Packers 16. Few field goals. Uh Cold night, Sunday night football on Lambeau on the road. Maybe Chiefs get off to a little bit of a sluggish start, but pull away late. Um, yeah, we got some some in the chat here. About time says 27-13, Chiefs. 34-17 from Gary. Tom says 24-20. Wow, a little close one. Sugary Special K, 23-17, Chiefs. Jeremy says 27-17. Sean, 31-13. Oregon Fishing, 31-14. Um, uh, Ronald, 31-17. Sean says Kelsey has a big game. I hope so. I mean, nice to see him have a, a big game up there in Lambeau Field. And you're going to be at the game in the in press box, I assume? Actually, you know what? No. Uh, I got uh, very generously invited 
by someone actually listens to the show all the time. And uh, the guy I've gotten to know who works for the Milwaukee Brewers and he has some connections. Uh, and so he, and I guess some of his friends, uh, they're all from originally from Kansas city, got a suite and oh, they were nice. nice enough to invite me. So I, uh, I'm going to mooch off of my very generous friend. Um, <laughs> and I am going to sit there and watch the game and I'm going to have my laptop with me and be doing a little work while I'm doing it uh, yeah. for, for SI, but, yeah, I'm going to be at the uh, Chiefs Packers on Sunday, so I'm looking forward to it. That's great. That's great. Have a good time. Uh, real quick before you go, Patty's Power Rankings, top three Christmas cookies. Top? Oh, okay. This is oh, getting me hungry. Um, does, do a, does a Buckeye count as a Christmas cookie? Oh, yeah. In my oh, house, it's, it's number one. It's one, two, and three. No, yeah. I, it, it's one, no doubt. Um, and then uh, I'll go... Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I know this might be a little lump. I, I love a good sugar cookie. I'm a big fan. Um, I'll toss that number two, and then and then just a good old, um, like I like like I guess I, more Christmassy, like a chocolate. Uh, you know, actually, I'll give it to you. The ones where they like the the, the Hershey Kiss is like inside the the cookie in the middle. And yeah, yeah, usually, yeah. yeah. And sometimes like it's like a peppermint. Yeah. Kiss, you know, yeah, those, those are great. My wife and her two sisters, every year on a Sunday in December, they all come over to the house and they bake literally like two hundred smod cookies. Yeah, and man, I'm telling you, that is a good day. That's a bad day for for your boy's scale, but it yeah. is a great day for the old palate. My mom bought a, they bought a freezer for the basement just for the Christmas cookies that she Beautiful. made. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm a big uh, Buckeye guy. Number one, number two, number three. Um, my number two is the, is the, is the like sugar cookie with the Hershey kiss in the middle. Mm. Uh, absolutely fantastic. And third, my family makes these little, here in one of these little, they're like these little cheesecake cookies with a cherry on top. I know what they are, yeah. but I, I don't, uh, I don't think oh. I've ever had one. They're fantastic. They're, it's just, it's, it's like in a little mini Reese cup wrapper, um, yeah. cheesecake, little cherry on top. Absolutely delicious banger of a cookie. Oh yeah, no. I'll tell you what, my nana, God bless her, she passed away. But actually, she passed away the day we're out in Kansas City on the podcast. But she, um, she used to make these like crescent cookies. It's hard to explain. They had like um, they were like almonds in them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big like nuts guy, but she had almonds in them, and they and she'd cover them with like powdered sugar. Man, I'm telling you, those things. Oh my God, you could, they, they all they were just. They were almost like a shortbread consistency, but they had almonds in them, and they were man, they were unbelievable. God, are those things good? So, that being said, I am a fan of the whole genre. Yeah. Um. So, if somebody would like to send me Christmas cookies, and I'll rate them for you, I'm happy to sit there and take that, you know, take that bullet. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're getting a lot of Snickerdoodle in the chat, uh, Ginger Snap, and and Danish shortbread from Sean. That sounds great. Danish shortbread. All right, everybody, been a long show. We got to get out of here. We'll be back on Sunday with our regularly scheduled show, uh, pregame show, halftime show, and uh, a postgame show on Sunday night. It's going to be fun. So make sure you tune in for that. Thank you to all of our members for your support of the show. You guys are absolutely fantastic. If you're interested in becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic community, we will watch on the Cowboys Seahawks tonight and the private Discord that we have. Check out the link in the description. There's a bunch of different ways to support the show. Some bonus content, happy hours, fantasy football leagues, all kinds of ways to get involved. We'd, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Thanks to everybody who left a review over at Apple Podcasts. Thank you to producer Richard for keeping us on track. And, of course, thank you to Sports Illustrated's Matt Ferram, who I'm sure we'll have back soon. Enjoy the game in Green Bay, and as always, go Chiefs.